0: Hello, 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 to wake up to the word. It is Thursday, also known as Little Friday. We're coming to you deep from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. It is Thursday, September 28th. And, uh... Presidential debates were last night. I'm really rich, but he didn't go, so uh, that that's um, uh. And I think he won. I think he won the debate. Uh, if you watched any of it, it was uh, uh, basically a playground argument. So, uh, all right, enough about that. The uh, coffee of the afternoon is because uh, it is afternoon. It is not morning. It is A and W uh, zero sugar root beer. So that's. <laughs> That's the coffee for the afternoon. Just had my lunch, and uh, this was part of the lunch. We'll have a coffee uh, uh, tomorrow on Friday. So, all right, our Bible reading for today. Uh, We got mixed it up a little bit. We had, uh, where did we start off here? We got uh, uh, 1 Samuel 23 through 28. And uh, then with twenty-three and twenty-four, there's Psalm one forty-two, one fifty-four, which connect to those uh, readings. So uh, we'll we'll try to bop around a little, catch some catch some of that, and um, see what we're doing. We got David and Samuel, uh, excuse me, David and King Saul. King Saul chasing after David through all the area, and we have a uh, a map which you can pull up in. Uh, Jeff's uh, stack of stuff. And, um, you can look at that. It kind of gives you a perspective of what's going on. So, it's all, uh, all the areas and the names of things. If you want to pull that up and have a look at that, that that would be, uh... It helped me. So, that's why I printed it out. And it's in the stack of stuff. And, uh, excuse me. The stack of the stuff. And, um... So, feel free to go to uh, to, uh... WakeUpToTheWord.org to org, and uh scroll right down on the left and you'll see uh Jeff's stack of stuff. Click on that and you can uh, go right to the map and many other opportunities to uh look at uh, different items. Uh this episode and uh every episode is brought to you by Barky's RV www.barkysrv.com and you can uh barkyrvrental.com and you can uh, get your own uh RV rental uh Find yourself a local spot in a camp, a, a RV park, or a state park, and uh, we'll deliver it, set it up, get it all ready for you to go, and you can have a nice camping, days of camping. And then I'll even come pick it up after we're done. So uh, you don't have to tow anything. You don't have to worry about all of that. We take care of it all. Barky's RV Rental. So there you go. Um, we got... Uh, Psalm 23, uh, Psalm, uh, 1 Samuel, uh, 23, David, uh, saves the city of, uh, Keilah, uh, and, uh, because Saul's chasing him down, he's asking about him, and he goes, he's in the city, and Saul hears about it, and he's gonna go, so David kind of leaves, uh, but first, I wanted to kind of read through this little section here, 23, uh, Starting at verse 9, David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him and he said to uh, uh, Abiathar the priest, I wasn't lisping, Abiathar um, the priest, uh, bring... I couldn't find the button. Uh, Abiathar the priest, uh, Uh, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hands? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into, his, into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. So David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, He gave up the expedition, and David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hills of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him over to his hands. So that's where the map comes in. You'll be able to see the wilderness of Ziph on that map. But also, I made a note here, because the question that David asked God, please tell your servant will he come will please uh will the men of Keilah surrender me to his hand will Saul come down as your servant has heard he will come down god answered him and then he said will you will they surrender me over will the city men of the city surrender me over they will surrender you did any of that happen it didn't happen why because david took action upon understanding that truth so does that mean that god told david something that wasn't going to happen the prophecy was false it's interesting because we've talked i've talked about this with with several people and people have a difficult time um, i'm not going to say comprehending but putting this in a place of understanding uh they'll under you'll understand the words but it's hard to understand this understanding. God, we all know God is omniscient. He knows all things. See, but here's, when you know all things, you don't just know all things actual. To know all things means you know all things possible as well as actual. So, to be all-knowing, means you know all the possible outcomes for every possible decision in every possible scenario. And you know what the actual outcome will be. And this is difficult for a lot of people to grasp when it comes to God. And it shouldn't be easy, because God is God and I am not. God is God and you are not. So if we could fully grasp all that God is, we'd be God. We can't possibly grasp it. But we can get words to get an understanding of it, a limited understanding of it. But God knows all things actual and possible. He knows every option of every action. Imagine how far that could go out. Because we also know that God was going to destroy Nineveh, but he sent Jonah. He, he prophesied that he would destroy Nineveh, but Jonah went and gave him the gospel. They repented, and he didn't destroy Nineveh because of the gospel. So was the prophecy wrong? No. God fully had a full intention, understanding what all the possibilities are. And knowing what the actual possibility is. Without David... Without Jonah understanding what God's intent was, would he have gone? He was told to go. He went the other way. There's a whole plan, a decision-making plan, all of the possible outcomes that God is working through when he gives information. This is this is a can of worms that is, is virtually impossible to to pull pull out of the fire uh if you're a marvel fan i'm a marvel fan uh not the comic books i like the movies i did read the comic books when i was a kid but i grew up um uh, a little bit <laughs> Most, mostly um but um in in uh the end games uh movie, uh, Doctor Strange goes into this scene where he is going through seeing all the possible outcomes. And he comes to the understanding there's only one way to win. There's only one way to defeat uh, um, What's-his-face having a mental block on the name. There's only one way to defeat the guy. Um, and so that's when he gives up his stone his infinity stone so there's only it there was only one way and he had to give it up and so when the other person who had another infinity stone heard that Doctor Strange gave up his stone he freely gave it then that person knew because they knew Doctor Strange there's only one way that this comes out So when we look at God, when God does things, when he says things, when he tells people, when he calls people, when he brings things around, it's because there's this this one way. Through all the decisions that people of free will make, there's a plan that God has in place. This plan is going to move forward, regardless of people's decisions the plan is going to move forward. There's one way. And it's it's Jesus. We know that in general for salvation. But this is a great example of God knows all outcomes actually impossible. So that was a, kind of a long way around to uh, to, to talk about that. Um, so then we get to Saul pursues David and um, David spares God's life. And so, uh, uh he he escapes, he's in the wilderness, he's he escapes, he goes to a stronghold in Engidi, and that's on the map as well. And uh then uh Saul chooses to relieve himself, as they say, keeping it PG, in the cave, and David is in the cave with some of his men, and his men say, you know, this is it. This is when God said he would he would deliver you, he will he will give your enemy into your hand. Uh you shall do to him as it seems good to you. And David went over and just cut a piece, the corner of Saul's robe off, spared his life, let him leave the cave. And then David had to persuade his men that the wor- those words did not permit him to attack Saul. Because even though Saul was considered David an enemy, David didn't consider Saul an enemy. Does that make sense? So the prophecy that was given David, I will give your enemies into your hands. Saul, he did not consider Saul an enemy. He considered Saul, and you'll see him say this, you probably noticed again and again and again, every time he talks with Saul, he calls him my king, the anointed king. Anointed by God. The king anointed by God. And that's exactly what how he describes it to his men. That he's anointed by God. And I am not taking it away. That's an important understanding. Uh, I learned this many years ago. And I hung on to it. Uh, and it has served me well. When God calls you to something, when God anoints you for something, he will not call you to take it. He will give it to you. If you have to take something from someone else in someone else's position, then you are choosing to take it. When God calls you to something, He gives it to you, He hands it over to you. It's handed to you by God or through His people. It's not taken. You don't go and take a position, a post, a, a, a place of spiritual leadership. You wait for God. To give it to you if you have to take it, then I don't believe it's of God. David understood this. he waited until God was going to give it to him. It was going to be handed to him because he was anointed and called, and when you understand that, that's how you operate. so as soon as david had um uh he finished speaking and uh and then he he comes out of the cave, he tells Saul. He, he confronts Saul, tells him, I could have killed you, but I didn't. He says, my Lord, my God. And and uh, there's a, uh, uh, is that your voice, David? You are more righteous than I. This is all the way down, twenty uh, chapter 24, verse uh, 17. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. So he says he's not going to hurt him again, but then... Uh, Later he does. But now Samuel dies right at the beginning of chapter 25. And that's a key as we come up on some of these other other things that are going on. So um, we got uh, 23 and 24. Now we can go to the Psalm. Psalm 142 is a Psalm of uh, where David, it says right at the beginning, uh, when I was in the cave, a prayer, with my voice I cried out loud, with my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. And when the when my spirit faints within me, you know my way. So this is a psalm. He's crying out and he says, uh, Bring out of prison that I, uh, let's see, uh, Deliver me from my persecutors for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me for you deal bountifully with me so he's always trusting in god and the next one was psalm 54 psalm 54 where are you some of you are old enough to understand what i am singing there um uh so this is uh from psalm one uh matches up with first uh, 1 samuel 124 and it says uh when when the ziphites went and told saul uh is not david hiding among us and so they ratted him out no oh. God save me from your name, and vindicate me by your might, O oh God. Hear my prayer, give ears to my words. Um, and it says down in verse six, with free will offering, I will scatter, uh, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For He has delivered me from every trouble, and my eyes, my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. So, there's an interesting thing going on here—a free will offering. let to talk about that first. There's an offering that they have. There's a tithe that they give. That's part of the law. But then they could give a free will offering, which means that they can give it out of their heart, out of their abundance, out of their, out of feeling blessed. They can give an offering to God. I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name. I underline that your name. It's one of those. It's one of those phrases. That's one of those terms that is uh, um, Old Testament is is sometimes uh, speaking about the other Yahweh, the uh, Jesus uh, in the Old Testament. And he says, I will give thanks to your name, O Lord. Then it says, my translation anyway says, for it is good, but then it changes to a personage, which means that the it over here could be a he. For he is good, for he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eyes has looked in a triumph on my enemies. So I go back to this uh, I give thanks to your name. I give thanks to the word. I give thanks to the Christ. I give thanks to the other Yahweh, Jesus, O Lord, for he is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble and my eyes look up to him. So that's a, that's a cool little touch there of uh, of a David's relationship, understanding that he's talking with um that second part of the Trinity, uh, which he may or may not understand, the triune God, but he certainly understands this duality that goes on, the, the Holy Father in heaven and the God who appears to him and talks to him. Um, so we keep moving. And uh, David and Abigail, David uh, meets up, uh, comes into the land and he meets a guy named Nabal who's a pretty wealthy guy. Uh, And he's got, you know, a lot of sheep and stuff. And David uh, took care of his men for him, uh, guarded them and kept them safe and didn't take anything from them, didn't bother them. And uh, then he tells when David's uh, young men came, they said uh, all this to to Nabal. They tell him that, you know, we kept your men safe. We didn't bother him. And he's like, like, who's David? And that's right down in verse 9. I mean, excuse me, verse 10. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, who's David? Who is this son of Jesse? Uh, there are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Uh, shall I take my bread and 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 my water and my meat that I've killed for my shearer and give it to the men who come uh, from I do not know where? So, so he goes, Willie, I, I'm really going to feed these people. I don't know who they are. So he's not a generous man. He's not a nice man. And he has a wife named Abigail. And uh, she heard about this. And the men came and told her, now she puts together, and, you know, this is not an easy time. It's not like she ran out to Target or Walmart and grabbed all this stuff. This is, then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep already prepared, and five uh, sias of parched grain, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of fig, and laid them on donkeys, and said to her young men, go and uh, bring this stuff. Basically, uh, she said, but don't tell, don't tell my husband, don't tell Nabal. And, uh, they, and, uh, she rode a donkey, uh, came down the mountain, David and his men came down toward her and, um, now David comes out of the wilderness. So she feeds, she feeds him. She gives uh, feeds, uh, the man feeds all the people. And, uh, then Abigail knows she's got to tell her husband because she, she gave all this food away. She fed David and his men. And, um, so, uh, she comes down and, uh, Abigail came, t- uh, let's see, uh, so Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house. So he's, he, he's already, he's made a feast. He's given it to other people, uh, like the feast of a king and Nabal's heart was merry within him. So he was, you know, for he was very drunk. So, you know, he drank till he was was happy. So so she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning when the wine had gone out of him, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him. And he became as a stone. So basically he had a massive heart attack and was non-functional. And 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. And uh, then it says that... uh, Mo, uh, David then sends for Abigail and takes her as a wife. And he also takes Ahina, Ahinoam uh, the Je, of Jezreel, and he takes her as a wife too. And he already has a wife, um, Mike, uh, Michal, uh, the daughter of uh, Saul. So he's, now he's got three wives, and we know about David. He's going to have a lot more. Uh, he's going to have 300 wives and 700 concubi- concubines. He's going to have basically a 1,000 women. Um, and so uh, where do you put that in God's economy? You know, uh, with um, God uh, having a monogamous relationships, one man, one woman, where do you put all this? And, and uh, I've been asked this question before, and so, you know, I bring this up in that it wasn't God's best, but God allowed for it, and there's several reasons because of because of disease, but mostly I think because of war. Um, only men went to war, and lots of men died, and so it's it's thought that in that time, throughout that time, the, the average was about there was ten women for about every man, and so. Uh, in order to keep mankind moving forward, uh, men out of necessity would, would, would take multiple wives in order for wives to have, be under care, to have, to be cared for. Um, because the rules and designs and laws and culture was all very different and, um, women with a husband just had uh, better outcomes in life, so, um, so, apparently, David did his part, okay, so, (laughs) if you want to look at it that way, um, David, again, uh, has an opportunity, Saul uh, keeps badgering him, Uh, again, David has an opportunity, and he spares Saul's life again, um, And uh, then David has to flee to the Philistines uh, and ends up there. So, um, that's in Psalm 24. Did we we do Psalm 54? I think we did. Yeah, we did. Um, So, uh, now we're coming up on 27, 28. That was 27. So, David with the Philistines. Philistines. All right, now this is the chapter I got a question about from, uh, from uh, Bob here um, in Palm Coast. He asked a question about uh, this portion of scripture that we're going to come up on. And many times people ask questions about this. So it starts off right at chapter, right at verse 3 of 28. It says, now Samuel had died and all of Israel mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. So anyone who was uh, talking about uh, uh, talking to the dead or um, that's what the necromancers are, or mediums that would intercede for people with the dead. Um, And and the Philistines assembled and came and camped uh, at Shunam. And Saul gathered all the Israelites and they camped in Gibeah. And Saul saw the army. And uh, when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophet. Uh, remember the Urim is the uh, uh, Urim and Thumen, um kind of like these two stones that, that give answers when you ask questions. Um, uh, then Saul said to his servant, seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her, And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. Uh, Now, some of your translations uh, use the term witch instead of medium. And so it's often called, this is often referred to as the Witch of Endor. Um, And a little known fact, a uh, television series back when I was a youth called Bewitched, you may remember it, with uh, Elizabeth Montgomery, Dick York as one of the Darrens, um, uh, But uh, um, Samantha, who was the, the witch in the wife in the movie, in the show, had a mother who they called, if you remember the name, Endora. She was named from this portion of scripture. The witch of Endor. They called her Endora. So uh, there you go. Little useless fact, so uh, it's okay, it's all right. Yep, you you are very welcome, not a problem. Um, and uh, they came to the woman by night, uh, this is, uh, verse 8, and he said, Divine from me a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. And the woman said, This is verse 9, surely you know that Saul. What Saul has done, he has cut off the mediums, the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for me, for my life, to bring about my death? So she she thought it was a sting operation. But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. So... God's not even talking to him. He's distant from God, yet he's swearing by the Lord. How many people do you know that have nothing to do with God say, I swear to God. I swear to God, it's true. I swear to God. Same kind of thing. Saul's not living for God. He's not seeking after God. He's actually rebelled against God and God is not talking to him, yet he's still using that name. So... Uh, then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? Uh, he said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God and Elohim coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up, and he's wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. And Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? So, lots of stuff going on here. So, the the, the woman is called upon the medium, the witch, whatever, the necromancer, whatever you want to call it, They refer to her as a medium in my my uh translation ESV and um but she brings actually brings somebody up a spirit up and she screams so to me she's surprised that this actually occurs. She's surprised at this and uh which tells me she probably was fake most of the time. Uh but what she does recognize seemingly she recognized, she sees that it's a spiritual realm because she uses the term Elohim. I see an Elohim coming out of the earth. And, and it's kind of a plural word too. So, so I see Elohims coming out of the earth. This makes it singular, but it's perhaps she saw more than one, but she definitely spoke with one. How did she know that that was Saul? All of a sudden she has this revelation so God's doing something here. It doesn't tell us that Saul told him. I mean, Samuel told him. It doesn't say that anybody says anything. All that's recorded is she realizes, she now knows that it's Saul. And um, and, and Samuel comes. Now, is the question usually is, is this really Samuel? Uh, I didn't think you could cross over from there to here. So, that's always seems to be the question, it always seems to be the issue, is that, uh, and a lot of that comes from this story that Jesus tells about the rich man and Lazarus, right? There's a chasm between here and there that I cannot cross. And uh, so, it doesn't mean that it's absolutely impossible, but the rich man could not cross it, so there is a chasm. But we do know that it's happened; it happens again later. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, there's two people that appear with Jesus at the Transfiguration. One of them was taken up in a whirlwind and did not die, but the other one did die. Moses died, but he was with Jesus. At the transfiguration. So, it does happen. He can bring someone who has died to the earth, can cross over. Jesus can make exceptions. God can make exceptions when it suits his purposes. So, I believe, just because of the information given, and this is all we have to go on, this is actually Samuel, who has crossed over the chasm, and he's talking with Saul. So what does he tell Saul? Exactly what he told him when he was alive. You're done. You are done. Someone else, your friend, is going to be anointed. Your neighbor, David, is going to be anointed. He tells him exactly what he used to tell him when he was alive. He didn't change. He tells him exactly the same thing. So that's what we got for today. A&W Root Beer. And Endora the Witch, coming to you. Glad you joined us here today. I hope that helped you. God can do anything he wants. Because he is all-knowing, actual, and possible. See you tomorrow.